you're not excited about this series. You just need to go into the funeral home. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been as excited, really and truly, uh, about this whole concept. We started talking about this whole concept about a year ago, about the warrior. And, and if you will listen to these three messages and put them all together, they, they may be as encouraging a set of messages as you'll ever hear from this platform. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And, and, and while you're turning, let's just kind of all get in the flow of things because it happens to all of us. It happens at different times, at different places, in different ways. Sometimes it happens when you go out on your first real date alone with a person that you're really attracted to. Sometimes it happens when you start paying your own bills for the first time. Sometimes it happens when you wake up for the first time and you have experienced deep depression and you don't even know why. Sometimes it happens on your honeymoon. But at some point in time, all of us wake up to the brutal realization that life is a battle and we're in a war. And I don't know when it hit you. I can remember really about the first time it hit me, but just out of curiosity, do you ever feel like life is a battle? Well, you should because it is. Do, do you ever feel like sometimes you're in a war? Well, that's good because you are. The fact of the matter is everybody in this room fights their own battles. We fight our own war. We have fight our own demons on a daily basis. Everybody in this room. We don't like for people to know about it. We don't like to talk about it. Sometimes we're not real transparent about it, but the truth of the matter is we do. And you see, there are no conscientious objectors to this war. There are no deferments from this battlefield. Fame and fortune will not keep you out of this fight. John Daly is in a battle with alcohol. Tiger Woods in a battle with lust. Mike Tyson battles anger. Drew Carey, the host of The Price is Right, battled depression so badly that twice before he was 20 years old, he tried to take his own life. The Incredible Hulk battles a terrific temper. We all have our battles and we all have our wars and we all stay constantly in conflict, whether it's with greed or selfishness or bitterness or anger or depression or discouragement. As a matter of fact, you look around you and wars are being fought everywhere, not just from within, but from without. There's war between nations. There's war between married couples. There's war between governments. It seems like there's always a, go a war going on somewhere, and it seems like there's always people willing to fight. Now, I have some questions about this battle that we're in. I have a question about this war that we're fighting, and I'm sure you may have the same three questions that I have, and I want to share them with you specifically. Question number one is, how did it start? Why, why can't life just be one big picnic? Why can't it be just one long day at a Georgia football game? Why, why can't it be like that? How, how did it all start? Quick, second question, how can we win it? How can I defeat this battle I seem to be in all the time? It seems like I beat one enemy and three more spring up. How can we win this war? How can we win the battle of life? And here's the third question we ask. How will it end? How did it start? How can we win it? How will it end? Well, the answer to all three of those questions begins in an ancient story that is found in an old book known all over the world as the Bible. It is a story that is filled with highs and lows. 
It is filled with victories and defeats. It's filled with good and evil. But as you're going to learn through this three-week series, all of the story that's found in this book from beginning to end focuses on the warrior. The only warrior who can fight our battles and win this war, who can give us victory both in this life and in the life to come. Now, here's the strange thing. You would think that this story would begin on a battlefield. It doesn't. You would think, well, maybe it begins in a barracks. It doesn't. You think, well, maybe it begins in a forest or in a plain filled with soldiers. It doesn't. Of all places, this story begins in a garden. It's called the Garden of Eden. It was a place of perfect peace. There were only two people at that time, not just in the garden, but in the entire world, Adam and Eve. And they were at perfect peace. They were at perfect peace with God. They were at perfect peace with each other. They were at perfect peace with themselves. And then something happened, which to this day is still the most terrible tragedy in the history of mankind that plunged this world into a conflict that we're still fighting today and is the cause of every single problem on this entire planet. And God's solution to this problem is wrapped up in a single verse in Genesis 3 that carries within it the hope for the entire world. You're not going to believe God's solution to all the mess that we're in right now. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will crush his feet. That's amazing. God says peace is on the way and it's wrapped up in a promise and it's wrapped up in a prophecy. The promise is of a warrior that's going to come to rescue us from this conflict that we're in. And it's the prophecy that this warrior is none other than Jesus Christ. So as we begin this fascinating three-part story of the warrior today, I want you to understand two very important things. I want you to understand, number one, why the story of the warrior is the story of the Bible. And number two, why the story of the warrior must be the story of your life. If the warrior is not your story, if his story is not your story, you are doomed to lose the battle. So here's what I want you to take with you when you walk out the door this morning. I need a warrior who can fight the battle of life for me. I need a warrior who can fight the battle of life for me. Now, let me just stop and, and, and set this whole message up. You may be sitting there and you may be saying, <laughs> I don't need no flipping warrior. I'm doing good. I don't need anybody. I don't need this God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need you. You know, I just kind of came to check things out. I don't need a warrior. I'm making a good living. I got great health, got a nice family, got a big home, got a nice car, got a great future, don't have any disease, don't have any sickness. Life is good. You're trying to tell me I need a warrior. Yeah, I'm telling you, you need not just a warrior. You need the warrior who can bring life and truth and victory and grace. You say, prove it to me. I'm going to tell you three reasons why we need the warrior. They're found right here in this text. Number one, we face a foe we cannot beat. We face a foe 
that we cannot be. There was a professor at a great law school, and he used to begin his first class every year by putting two numbers on the blackboard. They were the number four and the number two. And then he would ask a simple question. All right, class, what is the solution? Well, one student would immediately cry out six. He'd shake his head no. Another student would cry out the number two. He'd shake his head no. A third student would cry out the number eight. He'd shake his head no. And then the professor pointed out their fatal error. He said, there's one reason why you cannot find the solution, and that is because you have failed to ask the key question. He said, class, the key question is, what is the problem? He said, you'll never find a solution to any problem till you first identify the problem. Now, in case you haven't noticed it, we're living in a world that's trying to find a solution to a problem it hasn't yet properly defined. Now, let's just all agree on one thing. I don't think anybody would deny this world is in a mess. I mean, it's, it, first of all, it, it's in a mess morally. The very definition of marriage is now being debated. We're facing terrorism and terroristic threats on a scale that's unprecedented. Things that we have been told all of our life were right, we're now being told are wrong. And things that we were told all of our life were wrong, we're now being told are right. We're in a mess morally. We're in a mess politically. We're fighting two wars right now on two different fronts, and there is political unrest on almost every continent on this planet. This world is in a mess economically. We're going through the worst global crisis, financial crisis, since the Great Depression. Our own nation is now running deficits at an unprecedented rate, and now entire cities in our nation and entire countries around the world are on the brink of declaring bankruptcy. We're in a mess. Everywhere you look, morally, we're in a mess. Politically, we're in a mess. Financially, we're in a mess. But I want to tell you this morning, all of these problems are just a symptom of a greater problem. Do you know why we're in a moral mess and a political mess and a, and, and a financial mess? Can I tell you why? Because we are in a mess spiritually. That's the cause of every other problem. We are in a spiritual mess. You know what's interesting? We have never seen more interest ever in spiritual things in our lifetime, and yet, there's never been more chaos in our culture, in our society worldwide than there is today. And you say, well, pastor, what is the problem? Well, believe it or not, you won't believe this when I tell you. It all goes back to a snake in the grass. It really does. Every, all this mess, it all goes back to a snake in the grass. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, in case you don't know the story, let me do something a little creative. Let me recount it to you both visually and verbally.
comes down to the warrior. It all comes down to the drop of the blood of a warrior. But why? God created Adam and Eve, put them in an absolutely pristine, perfect environment. There was absolutely nothing that, that could make them go wrong, nothing to make them do wrong. There was no pornography, no X-rated movies, nobody to envy, no need for greed because they had everything they could possibly want. And God had given them everything in the garden except he pointed to one tree of all the trees. And nobody knows how many trees there must have been in that garden. But of all the trees, God said, that tree right there, never touch that tree. Never eat the fruit off of that tree. It is out of bounds. Well, then you see the snake in the grass. Listen now to verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, we know now that the Bible identifies this snake as, as the devil or who we call Satan. And all Adam and Eve had simply to do was just say one single word. If they had said one word, they would have lived happily ever after. We would have lived happily ever after. The whole world would have lived happily after, ever after. All they had to say was what? Somebody tell me. No. Just say no. That's it. And we all live happy. But you know what they did? They made the mistake of getting into a dialogue with the devil. And I want to just give you fair warning. Don't ever discuss anything with the devil. They're, they're, listen, there are pregnant teenagers today because they got into a dialogue with the devil. There are addicts hooked on drugs today because they got into a dialogue with the devil. There are spouses that are neck deep in adultery today because they dialogue with the devil. I heard about a lady who came in one day from a shopping spree and her husband said, what did you buy? Well, she looked at him rather sheepishly. She said, I hate to tell you this. She says, I bought a $1,000 dress. He hit the roof. He said, why did you do that? She said, uh, the devil made me do it. He looked at her and said, why didn't you say, Satan, get thee behind me? She said, I did. He said, it looked just as good from back there. Um, don't, don't, don't ever get into a dialogue with the devil. See, that's what happened to Eve. Everything goes south at verse 6. Listen to it. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, you may sit there and you may say, well, now, wait a minute. That was, an Adam, that was Adam and that was Eve. That wasn't me. I mean, just because they gave in to the devil doesn't mean that I would give in to the devil. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. If they could not defeat the devil in an absolutely pristine, perfect world, what chance do you think you'd have? I mean, do you really believe you'd do better? Do you really believe that you would have gotten it right? Newsflash, let me tell you something. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Against the devil and against sin and, attempt, and against temptation, apart from God, you don't stand a chance. You don't believe it? Ask Tiger. 
Ask John. Ask any, anybody who's fallen into sin. See, there's some of you in this room right now, and you are absolutely miserable. You're hooked on pornography. Maybe you're doing drugs. Maybe you're sleeping with somebody you're not married to. Alcohol has a death grip on you, and you keep trying to quit, and you can't. You don't understand. I try to quit, but I can't. I'll quit for a day, and I go back. I quit for a week, and I go back. I quit for a month, and I go back. I just can't seem to get a grip on what has a grip on me. I'll tell you why. You are facing a foe you can't beat. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gave them a way to go, and they rejected the way. He gave them a word to obey. They disobeyed the word. He gave them a will to follow, and they didn't do it. And from that moment until this moment, your number one enemy and my number one enemy is the same snake in the grass. And ladies and gentlemen, you better believe that the devil is alive and well on planet earth. He is still here right now. And I want to tell you, he's alive and well in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your sex life, in your thought life, in your work life, and on your own. He is a foe you cannot beat. You need a warrior. I'll tell you another reason why we need a warrior. Second reason is we fight a war we cannot win. We fight a war we cannot win. See, at the moment that sin entered into this world, at that exact moment, God declared war. He declared war on Satan, and Satan, on the other hand, declared war against both God and us. And see, Adam and Eve knew immediately something has really changed. Look in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. For the first time, Adam and Eve experienced a sickness called shame. Up until that point, shame was not even in the dictionary. Their guilt was not even in the dictionary. And they're looking at each other and they're going, you know, we never noticed we were naked before. Why do we feel guilt? Why do we feel shame? Matter of fact, they didn't even know what to call it. Adam probably looked at Eve and said, why do I have this terrible feeling? And she said, I don't know. I have this same feeling. And for the first time, they were touched by the finger of fear. For the first time, they were haunted by the ghost of guilt. You say, well, why, Pastor? Because the war was on. War had been declared. God had declared war on the devil. The devil had declared war on God and humanity. Now, I don't even think you realize what a tragedy that was. Let me, let me put it, let me tell you how bad this really was. You don't even know the shockwaves that happened from this. Do you understand that for the first time in human history, a man's wife had to go shopping for clothes? Do, do you get the tragedy that this is? Can, can you just imagine this conversation? Adam cried Eve to cover my carcass. I've ordered a fig leaf from Neiman Marcus. I mean, they, 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 here, you know, and, and, and I mean, the whole thing's come tumbling down because you remember God made a promise to Adam. The first promise God ever made to anybody, he made this promise. Genesis 2, verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, at first glance, it looks like, well, God didn't keep his promise because Eve ate the apple and she didn't kill over. And Adam ate the apple and he didn't kill over. And yet God said, when you eat of it, you will surely die die. Well, they did. Because you see, in the Bible, death is not primarily the separation of the soul from the body. In the Bible, death is primarily the separation of the spirit from God. And the moment that Adam and Eve died, uh, ate that fruit, something inside of them died. 
Adam died immediately in his spirit. He died progressively in his soul. He died ultimately in his body, but he did die at that moment spiritually. Adam died. And ever since that moment, even Adam didn't realize it. Eve didn't realize it. But from that moment on, we have been in a war. It's a war against sin. And let me tell you something. Apart from God, nobody has ever won that war. And apart from God, nobody ever will. So do you understand what we all are today apart from God, apart from this God that made us? We are all POWs. We are prisoners of war. Because look what happened in Genesis 3, verse 24. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Let me ask you a question. Why did God drive them out? Why didn't God let them stay? Because they were no longer on God's side. They had taken sides against God. They had put themselves against God. They were no longer walking with God. They were walking against God. And because of sin, they now realize we're not only at war with the devil, we're also at war with God as well. And now we come to this tremendous verse, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you. He's talking to the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now the Lord says there will be enmity between the serpent and the woman, between her seed and his seed, her offspring, his offspring. Now, guess what the word enmity means there? You ever thought about that? He says there will be enmity between you and the woman. There will be enmity between you and the man. You know what that word enmity literally means in the Hebrew language? It means war. He said, okay, buddy, you started a war. There's a war going to be going on for the rest of, each, for the rest of time between you and them. And Genesis 3, 15 is the first declaration of war in history. You know, without question, some of you are old enough to remember this. Without question, one of the top three most terrible days in the history of this nation was December the 7th, 1941. Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. President Franklin Roosevelt declared war, a war that would eventually cost 50 million lives. And we all remember what he said, those famous words. He said, this is a day that will live in infamy. Well, at the beginning of time, Satan dropped his bomb of sin on the Garden of Eden, and God said, this is not a day that will live in infamy. This is the day that will live in infamy, because it's on that day, God said to Satan, I'm declaring war on you. God said to sin, I'm declaring war on you. And God said to anybody who continues to take your side against me, I declare war on them. And from that moment of time until this moment, there always has been and there always will be two wars going on. There's a war from without and there's a war from within. There's a war going on right now between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We're going to talk about that war in just a moment. But there's also a war going on within. If you're like me, you can relate to what I'm about to tell you. There are times I do things that I know I shouldn't do and I don't want to do them, but I do them anyway. Now, some of you quit looking at me so holy. Do you, you kind of have that same experience? And can I tell you something else? There, there are times I don't do things that I know I ought to do, and I know I should do them, but I still don't do them. 
And then we mess up and we ask forgiveness. And then what do we do? We turn around and do the same thing again. And no matter how hard we try, we just can't get it right all the time. We just can't be perfect. Well, listen, don't feel badly. Everybody fights this war from Tiger Woods to Barack Obama to this pastor to the Pope. It is a war against sin. And I'm telling you today, on your own, it is a war you cannot win. And please understand, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic. No mere human in the history of the world has ever won this war, and no mere human in the history of this world ever will. And that's why this verse is so important, because it tells us the final thing. Yeah, we face a foe we cannot beat, and we fight a war we cannot win. But here's the third thing I want you to see. We find a warrior that cannot lose. Now, I want to read this verse again in a slightly different, more literal translation. And I will put enmity, that is, I'm going to declare war between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, to the people of Israel, this verse became a ray of hope in a world of darkness. To Satan, it was God's declaration of war. To Eve, it was God's forgiving word that from the one who made things wrong, eventually one of her descendants would give birth to the one who would make things right. Now, the key to understanding this verse is in two words in that verse. And you probably would never guess what those two words are. The key to understanding this verse is the two words, her seed. Now, the word seed is used over 300 times in the Bible and 299 plus times it's used to describe the seed of a man. Let me tell you why. When it's talking about seed, it's talking about sperm. And, and technically and medically speaking, as you know, a woman does not have seed. The woman has the egg. It is the man that has the seed. And yet God said, it is from the seed of a woman that victory is going to come. Well, that raises a big question. Now, how can a woman have seed? Well, we know there's only one explanation. It's found in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. See, God was prophesying something back in the garden that only God could have done. Here's what God was saying. He was saying, Eve, I've got good news for you. Israel, I've got good news for you. World, I've got good news for you. I'm going to send a warrior. He's going to be a human being. He's going to be from the seed of a woman. That is, he's going to have an earthly mother because it says he's coming from the seed of a woman. But he's not going to have an earthly father. But since every child has to have a father, the only father he can be talking about is a heavenly father. So God says, I'm going to send a warrior. He's going to have an earthly mother. He's going to have a heavenly father. Now, the seed could not be a son of man like Adam, or he would have failed just like Adam. But he had to be a human just the same to prove that he could fight and win the battle that Adam had lost. So only a sinless man could undo what a sinful man has done. And in order to be a sinless man, you have to be divine because only God is sinless. And that is exactly why this seed has to come. He's both the son of man and the son of God. And from this point, all the way to the rest of the Old Testament, to the Gospels, the mystery begins to unfold. 
prophets would write about it, but they didn't understand it. Rabbis would read it, but they didn't get it. But now we look back and we know a warrior is coming. He'll be of the human race. He'll come from a woman. He won't be an angel. He won't be just a visitor from another world. He won't be just an ordinary human. He will be human, but he won't be just an ordinary human. He will also be God. This warrior is a man, but he's not just a man. He's also God, but he's not just God. He's also a man. He is the God-man. And God prophesied. When the seed comes, when the seed of this woman comes, two bruisings are going to take place. Verse 15. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. There would be the bruising of the serpent's head, and there would be the bruising of the Savior's heel. Now, I want you to notice something. The warrior's not going to go unblooded. He, he, he will not fight this battle without wounds. He will be bruised. As a matter of fact, you remember this verse in Isaiah 53, verse 5? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Where do you think Isaiah got that thought? Right here, he was bruised for our iniquities. But there's a second bruising to take place, and that is the bruising of the head. Now, I don't have to tell you this, and you don't have to be a doctor to figure out that the bruising of your brain is a whole lot worse than the bruising of your foot. Everybody, everybody understand that? I, I mean, one can cripple you, but the other can kill you. And what happened was, the warrior took his bruising 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary. But now, wait a minute. What about, what about the snake? What about the snake in the grass? What about the bruising of his head? Well, God made a promise. Here's what God was saying in this magnificent verse. We are going to win this war. You will win your war. You will win your battle if, if you belong to the army of the warrior. If he belongs to you and you belong to him, if you're on his side, God says not only is our victory guaranteed, he's going to let us take part in it. I, I was reading this morning in, in my quiet time, I'm uh, reading through uh, the New Testament. I'm going to read through the New Testament probably two or three times this year. I've never done that before. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I've read through the New Testament many times, but I've never read through more than once in a year. I'm going to read through probably two or three times this year. And, and I, I was in Romans chapter 16, and I was reading this verse of Scripture, and it's one of those verses that probably like me you've read before, never paid a whole lot of attention to. But then as I prepared this message, this verse took on a whole new meaning. And, and it's, it's Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Now listen to this. I'm going to read it slowly. The God, and I want you to leave it up just for a moment. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, I know where Paul got that. He got that imagery from Genesis 3.15. I know exactly the verse that gave him that verse. I know the, I know the verse gave him that thought. He says, okay, the God, of, now he's talking to the church. He's talking to people like you and me. And here's what I want you to miss. I mean, don't, don't want you to miss. Don't want you to, don't want you to see this. This is really cool. He doesn't say the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. He says the God of peace is going to crush Satan under your feet. My feet? Yeah, my feet. Your feet. God is going to crush Satan, and God is going to forever conquer sin, not just under his foot, but also under our feet. 
Now, here's the good news. Adam started a war against a foe he couldn't beat. And Adam started a war he couldn't win. We face that same enemy. And we fight that same war. But unlike Adam, it's not that we might win or we could win or we can win. We're going to win. Because we have a warrior that cannot lose. And as that serpent slipped away and the first couple hung their heads in defeat, a ray of light broke through the dark clouds. The horn had been blown and the hoofbeats were nearly audible. Even as they were driven out of the garden, there was something in the heart and soul of Adam that gave great anticipation because God had given another promise. Don't despair, Adam. Don't despair, Eve. A warrior is coming. A rescuer is riding. No, you don't know how. You don't know when. You don't know where. But he's coming. He's coming for you. He's coming for the entire world. And when he comes, he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. When he comes, he's not coming to fight a foe he cannot beat. He's not coming to wage a war he cannot win. He's coming to fight the battle, fight the war, and win the battle, and win the war. There were some men that were talking about how the church was the body of Christ, and, and, and they were talking about which part of the body they'd like to be, since the Bible says we're all part of his body. And one man said, you know, I would like to be his heart so I could love like he loves. One man said, I'd like to be his eye so I could see and understand the way he sees and the way he understands. Another man said, well, I'd like to be his brain so that I could know everything that he knows. Well, one man who had come from a particularly hard, sinful life, who had been beaten and battered by the devil most of his life until he finally gave his life to Jesus, he hadn't said anything. They said, how about you? They said, what part of his body would you like to be? He said, I'd just like to be one of his feet. They said, what? I'd just like to be one of his feet. They said, why would you want to be one of his feet? He said, because I want to be the part that bruises the devil's head. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, the day is going to come when God's going to take all of our feet and under our feet, once and for all, now and forever, we're going to crush that one that brought so much heartache and so much trouble and so much sorrow and so much pain into our life. That day is coming guaranteed because of the warrior. Let's pray together.